0: A great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot. And not, no one can come across from there to, to us. Sorry about that. Uh, it gets small here. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to them, if they do not listen to, the Mo- to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. So I guess this, what this is saying is that rich people are going to hell. Good news, huh? Worship team, come on up. Let's have, take communion now. All the rich people are headed to hell and that's that and... So this is the message that everybody out there thinks that we preach all the time. This is is the one, uh, and it's interesting, church is known for what? Hellfire and brimstone. Somebody will tell you, yeah, I grew up in this abusive church when I was a kid down south, and all they preached was hellfire and brimstone. (laughs) Amen. Yeah, and that's what they did down south too. And yeah, and they're trying to get free of that kind of thing. Interesting how the church gets that. I mean, this is actually, you've got to kind of deal with this because this is Jesus talking. This is a, this is a Jesus thing. Uh, and so we got to talk about what he's saying right there. Actual, like, Hades, hell, all of this. I'm pretty sure I know where hell on earth is. I mean, we, we showed you some clips there. But I'm pretty sure that hell on earth is in Anaheim, California. Uh, the greatest place on earth is Walt Disney, is Disneyland, right? And I'm talking about adult hell, by the way. Uh, adult hell, and Steve Ayers and I were just talking about this and independently agreed, that it must be it's a small world after all. <laughs> if you have been there, and, you, and it, so you wait in line for an hour, and that song is playing in the background you know what I'm talking about. It's playing in the background. And then you get on that thing and you ride that for 13 hours. <laughs> Actually, minutes. And uh, it's playing the whole time. And I, I, I was going through it years ago with the kids and the kids were loving it. Look at those things moving. Ah! And they're going, ah! Yeah. It's a small world, I'm ready to pull my hair out. And I was talking to Steve Ayers uh, two weeks ago and I go, you know what hell on earth is? He goes, it's in Anaheim. And it was exactly what I was going to say. And he goes, you know, I got stuck on that ride. (laughs) That is hell on earth. He goes, it was forever. I was there forever. How long were you there for? 20 minutes we were stuck. And I thought maybe 20 minutes is a long go. I got on the internet and I found out people have been stuck in there for eight hours. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting out and I'm swimming, carrying my kids. It's a small world after That might be hell on earth. I, I, I don't know. Um, I'm sure there's some worse, but it really did occur to me that it's some kind of monotony like that. That was just a little lightheartedness to get us to this <laughs> part. <laughs> because uh, what happens here? we gotta, we got to talk about. we got to talk about the reality of, of what it's saying. And um, we have two people, two destinies, and a couple requests. Two people. Let's just dig in and uh, brace yourself, and we'll see where this leads. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. We have this rich guy, and Jesus is painting a picture of something specific here. This is extreme. He wears purple. Now, purple uh, is is a garment that has been dyed purple at this time, and it comes from these little mollusk shells And it takes thousands of them, each like with a little half a drop or something like that from each shell to produce this dye enough for a garment. This is so expensive, this particular kind of of garment. Purple is for royalty. This is the kind that somebody would wear only once in a while on a very uh, important occasion and it says fine linen, which is uh, probably certainly from Egypt. It still is. And um, at that time, apparently, it would cost an ounce of gold for a square, I don't know how much that is, of linen. Here's a guy who's wearing the most expensive clothes possible, and not just his outerwear, and his inner underwear, about linen, uh, that that can be. And so uh, he does it every day, it says. He lived in luxury every day. The New American Standard says habitually he did this. This is what he did all the time. And luxury has this idea of a feast. We know from the previous parable up there in 15, when the older brother um, says to his father, hey, look, you killed the fatted calf for, my, for your son of yours, but you didn't even give me a lamb. And uh, the reality is you only kill the fatted calf uh, on very, very big occasions, like when a son comes home. This guy, all the time. This guy, all day long, habitually, it's a how he rolls uh, with conspicuous consumption. He is enjoying the good life. And Jesus wants to put a picture of that ex- of extreme uh, consumption that uh, this guy is doing. No, the answer is not that all rich people go to hell. Jesus is not saying that. There's something about this rich guy uh, that uh, warrants the eternal destiny that Jesus is talking about right here. Um, So you have this guy, his identity is probably mostly in this and this lifestyle, and he's enjoying himself at the expense of everybody else around, okay? Number two guy, at the gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, and he was covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. So here you have a guy who can't fend for himself. He's obviously crippled because somebody has to lay him by uh, this gate outside the rich man's house, and he is just longing to get the scraps off the table. Now, this isn't like being swept off the table. He is outside the house, and the garbage is thrown out, and he is competing with the dogs to get some scraps to eat. He has nothing. Matter of fact, the dogs are even licking his sores. There's nothing more pathetic and shameful than uh, this guy's situation. Now, if you were a Pharisee and you were listening to this, and they were very closely—that's who this was uh, being spoken to, along with all everybody else around—but primarily to the uh, Pharisees. You were you you just gasped when you heard this. Because one guy is the guy who is uh, being blessed by God. He's obviously doing something right, and God's favor is on him. And then another guy who has obviously done something wrong uh, is paying the price, and God's favor is not on him. So then, when these destinies come up, and it says in the next verse, the time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. This had to be a shocker. Uh, to the Pharisees as they were listening to this story. Why? Because what you get here is a picture of the angels picking up Lazarus. His body was probably, there is no burial for him. He's probably thrown in the, uh, uh, the garbage pile, Gehenna, and, uh, and carted off to Abraham's side, which is a picture of heaven where Abraham is. And to his side is also a neat picture because to his side is what's happening when you recline at a feast and, at the, and to be at Abraham's side at a feast, you're in the place of honor. The angels picked him up and took him to the place of honor, right next to Abraham, his side, at a feast. Wow. What happened to the other guy? The other guy, in Hades, which is hell, where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus at his side. Now, first of all, if you were a Pharisee and you heard this, this is an absolute shocker because you were born into the pathway to heaven. It's expected that you end up there. No way uh, does a beggar get there and a child, it says son, uh, a son of Abraham end up in hell. You're automatically a shoe-in. Jesus is reversing it all. He's, he's switching it all. It's a reversal of fortune. And it's, and it's so powerful a scene if you if you see it. I mean, think you have a beggar who has no food, who now in the next reality is at a feast. And you have um, a rich guy who has all of the food, and the next reality doesn't even have a drink of water. You have a beggar in this reality has no honor, and in the next reality, he's honored at the sight of Abraham. You have a rich guy who has nothing but honor, even in his burial. It says he has a burial. There had to be uh, mourners at that, big, big festivities around to honor him, He has no honor, we don't even know his name. There's this big reversal, this big switch up. The first will be the last and the last will be first. Jesus said all kinds of stuff like that around this. And it's clear that how we, it's just obvious, how we live in this reality affects how we live in that reality. Yeah. That in fact, whatever you think about the future, that reality, whether you think there's a heaven, you think there's a hell, they didn't even talk about what they thought about it. We don't even know what they think about it. It just happened. Because it doesn't actually even matter what you think about it. it. It is. You don't decide to believe and then it becomes real. Or you, just, you don't decide not to believe and it doesn't become real. There's a reality bigger than you're thinking. Jesus is talking about a final reality where there's this huge chasm. Not only a chasm between this reality and that, but between the two places. Is Jesus teaching that there's a hell and, there, and that it's a, a bad place? Yeah. It is what he's doing. And I, I, you know, I would like to kind of take the edge off of that somehow. I guess what you can do is you can either um, disagree and say, I don't believe that it's not real and move on you can deny it i don't know about that and just move on or you can come to terms with the reality of what he's teaching this guy cries out well send lazarus to, to just give me a drip of water drop of water on my tongue he's actually still asking for lazarus to serve him he's kind of missing it nope that's not going to be able to happen Well then, if that's not going to be able to happen, there's too big a chasm, this is powerful, he says, "Uh, then I beg you, Father, verse 27, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Because if I knew back then what I know now, I would have done all that time in between different I mean, that's wisdom for some of us, right? We know what we, if we, did, if we knew now what we, back then, we would be in a lot better shape. Well, that's what he's saying. Send somebody back. And he says, well, uh, you know, they have the law and the prophets because uh, this whole thing's based on faith. They got everything they need. No, he says, if somebody comes back from hell, from the dead, and tells them they will believe. And this, is, he says, Jesus says, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced. Even if someone, and do you like this little bomb in there? Can you throw up uh, uh, verse 31? little faith bomb. Even if someone rises from the dead. I love that, that Jesus put that right there. Uh, because uh, somebody is going to. Somebody's going to, and the people who have heard this story, we're listening to this right here, uh, they're going to actually encounter somebody who was dead, who went to hell, paid for their sins, and came back. And what's interesting about that, even that, people won't believe. People won't believe. If you don't by faith believe in the word that's been given to you, even somebody coming back, and Jesus came back, and there's a whole world right now that doesn't believe. How did that happen? Somebody actually did it. I mean, you and I are here right because we do. But the reality is, I, I, I guess hell is not the big transformational um, argument for people to want to follow Jesus. Even that won't do it. Matter of fact, i I, I got to be honest with you, when I was younger, back in the day, in my independent, fundamental Baptist church where I was kind of grew up, uh, we were in this, we got to get you lost before you can get saved. So we'd go out and we'd make sure you had a full awareness of hell and that was where you were headed. And i got to be honest with you, um, nobody back in the day I, that I know of knows Jesus right now. They just know that they don't want to talk to that guy. <laughs> They're pretty sure that that guy... Doesn't, uh, doesn't have what they're interested in. And I can kind of understand that, uh, actually, because uh, the reality of an eternity in that place is not so, it's a fire escape doesn't seem to motivate people, even if it's real. They won't respond even if it's real. And I think Jesus is saying, it's real. It's true. And, 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 and some, he's saying this, some that think they're all queued up to go one place are actually headed another. And some who think in their shame and their lowliness that they're not going to make the trip, they're going to go another place. That, that, that's there. That's there in that. And, uh, you know, I listen to sermon. I listened to five sermons on this, and I read a whole number of commentaries. And uh, that's where we ended up. That's where they all ended up. Right there at that point in a message, developed it, and how, you know what, this is a reality that we need to come uh, in contact with, respond to, and move out. It's hard, but everybody deal with that. And there's even a pride in uh, um, a, lot, a lot of preachers about, well, at least we told you the truth, even though if you don't like it, you know, at least we, we were faithful to let you have it, and uh, you take it up with Jesus. You know, Jesus, uh, I, I've been asking, Lord, what is, the, uh, what is the application for the orchard? I don't want to diminish what you're saying, Lord. What's the application for the Jesus followers at the orchard? Now, I recognize that in this uh, you know, potential crowd, there are some certainly who probably uh, uh, are trying to figure out whether you want to follow Jesus or not. And, and I don't know if Jesus' words here are compelling to you, um, but there's an invitation for you. Um, I actually think that uh, it's, it's the abundant life that he offers that seems to draw people, um, not the escape, the fire escape from uh, the flames of hell. And there may if you're here, there's an invitation for you on that, and I don't want to pass that up. But I know that largely in our church we have lots of Jesus followers. And Jesus, when he said these words, they ring out through history, not just as a historical thing right there. And that event parables he told were something that you were supposed to work on over time. They're supposed to go all the way to your heart. So as a Jesus follower, you're following him now. You're a Christian what do you do with this? Is this just motivation for you to go out make sure, help everybody uh, know that uh, there's a fire escape for them? I think there's something that Jesus planted in here that's um, beautiful and super positive, actually, in the midst of what seems really negative. In verse 19, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple, fine linen, and lived in luxury every day. That is how every parable starts. All the parables start that way. with a. Uh, there was a man who sowed seed. There was a woman who had a coin. There was a, a man walking from Jer- uh, Jerusalem to Jericho. You know, that's how these things start, all, all the parables. The next thing doesn't happen in any other parable except this one, where he actually names. He says, at, at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus. It's the only parable where there's somebody named in it. That's super significant. Now, some uh, even think uh, that this is not a parable, that Jesus is actually uh, speaking of an actual event or scenario um, that he knows of. And that uh, could be true, but it's not necessary uh, to understand, I don't think at all, what Jesus is doing here. Uh, Matter of fact, it's the name that is important. At, At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus. Lazarus It's a derivative of Eleazar, Hebrew name, and it means God is my help. Lazarus literally, literally means God is help. And uh, as, as it sits right here in the story, it is the biggest sick joke there is. A guy's name who is dying outside the gate with sores, can't get any food, has no hope, is called Lazarus. God is help. And everybody probably walked by him, uh, maybe gave him something, I don't know, but walked by him and thought, that is pathetic. He, he's not, he doesn't live anywhere close to his name. I wonder what he did wrong. Where is God's help in this thing? And... Uh, uh, it's tragic. Well, we see it, right? When he dies, the angels carry him and he comes into God's help. Not just his help, his honor, but this beautiful picture of what that future reality is like. He, like he, gets a, he uh, experiences that. But Jesus put that there, called this guy Lazarus, so that the poignant challenge of God's help would be present in this story. Where was his help? Where was his help? You know, eternity, it says in Ecclesiastes, is written on the hearts of men. Every person, it's written there that there is an eternity. We don't want to talk about eternity. Most of the world doesn't want to think about eternity. Matter of fact, even in my, in my phone, I was uh, trying to dictate the word eternity, and autofill doesn't have the word eternity because it doesn't get spoken enough, I guess. i went to do a little homework on that. This is anecdotal, just Charlie trying to figure out his phone. Eternity, paternity, not a paternity. I mean, just over and over, every word, like, ah! It's always like hell on my phone. And... Uh, because eternity is actually not a word, I'm my, my surmising, just anecdotally, uh, I could be wrong on this, but because it's not being spoken. Nobody's talking about eternity. It's not in the autofill. Eternity is not on our minds, but it's written in our heart. Yeah, where was the help? Where did it come from? eternity written on our heart and I believe that because of that every person, every person longs to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Something on this earth right now that's more important than just purple clothes and feasts. Something that matters more. And I think it's right here in this. Matter of fact um, I, I heard of the Mars One Project. Have you heard of that? Uh, so I'm going to mess this up for you guys who have heard of it but uh, what I what I uh, uh, I, was, I heard this thing where Mars One, they are going to uh, uh, NASA and whoever collaborates with them on this. It, it, out in the future, give me the date, 20-something. Okay. What? 2020. So they better get working four years from now. Um, they put on the Internet that we are looking for 100 volunteers. 100 volunteers who would like ten, to go through 10 years of training, and out of those 100, 40 of them will be selected to do, go on a mission to Mars, and I guess in 2020, every six months they're gonna they're gonna blast off four people uh, off to Mars, and um, an interesting in ten years, 60% of them aren't even gonna go; they're gonna train and not even get to go. Um, 40% of them are, and. Uh, Uh, It says on the, it said, they took it down. It said, at the present time, there is no known technology for your return. So you're going to sign up to train for 10 years. Maybe you'll get a go. And if you get a go, you're not going to come back. You're going to die on Mars. Go and sign up for that one. 140,000 people signed up. 140,000 people signed up, and they shut the site down because they were all Ph.D. students, all uh, uh, top intellectual people. Why would they do that? Because they want to be a part of something historic. They want to be a part of something bigger than they are. Eternity is written on the hearts of men. To have value and purpose for something that's bigger than we are, is a part of how God created us. It's how we're made. Right here in the middle of this story, Lazarus, God is help. Our meaning is right in there. You know where his help was? You know where Lazarus' help was? It was inside the gate. It was inside the gate. Think about that. The guy who was partying every night, having the party, had been resourced by God to bless the guy outside. You you know, he he actually uh, didn't do things so right that God blessed him so he could live a life of luxury. He had been been blessed by God so that he could be a blessing. All of Jesus' teaching is woven up uh, through the Gospel of Luke to this time. And right here, it, it doesn't culminate, but it's supported Because what you do here matters. And if you want to do something that matters, if you want to give your life to something that matters, you love God and you love people. It's the upside-down kingdom. It's what Jesus did from the get-go. I've come to bind up the brokenhearted, to rescue the captives, to give sight to the blind. That was the first thing He did. To the downtrodden. That's the good news. And if you've been given resources you're a part of that equation. That's, that's awesome news, by the way. That's something that really, really matters. Not only does it matter right here, what you're doing is you're, you're bringing heaven, we talk about this all the time, and the help from heaven here on earth. That's what you're doing when you're a part of this big picture. When you sign on for that, when you're uh, uh, dedicating your life to be a part of loving God and loving people, they, it's just like with Doug, what are you doing right now, Doug? What are you doing right now? That's the challenge that Jesus is giving in this thing. Yes, he is talking about the gravity of the next reality. But the challenge that will go through to Jesus' followers all through history is what are you going to do for the people who need help? Because when you do, you're bringing that reality to here. Many places, the other reality is already present. Not in a small world, but in reality in the Mideast, or even in the trailer park. God is my help. God is my helper. That's beautiful. If you want to love God and love people, the question was, who is my neighbor? No, the question was, who is the good neighbor? So, believe it or not, the guy who's been set outside the gate is actually a neighbor. He didn't think that because he would just be hanging with the friends who uh, are like him. That's how that works, right? But if he opens up the gate and he shares and he loves God by loving the people who are hurting, if he is the if if we represent the God who helps, there's something beautiful about that. That's Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And your neighbor as yourself. So here's the challenge. Who's outside your gate? Who's outside your gate right now? Whoever's outside your gate right now is your opportunity as a Jesus follower. Not to get God's approval so that you'll go to the right place eternally. You already have God's approval. Therefore, you can bring His resources and bring heaven on earth here when you help. Not just money. All of your, all the resources that you put up two weeks ago, not just your financial resources how about your intellectual resources how about your emotional resources people need transformation they are caught in the stinking thinking that they have they are caught in the addictions that they had they need transformation you may be the god is help the are, you may be lazarus to them the people whose relationships are fractured and broken you, because you have unity here and unity here, get a step in and bring God's help if you'll open up the gate. Who's like that? Who needs help? There are people right now who have infirmities who need you to pray for them. where God might actually bring heaven from there down to here, because you're going to pray healing into somebody's life who's outside the gate. Ooh, that'd be cool. That'd be really cool. There are people right now who are spiritually struggling, who need the hope that you have. This is a message, I think, a message to God's people. Yes, there's the reality of the future reality of heaven and hell. I'm not diminishing that, but there's Lazarus. Because Jesus became Lazarus, he became poor. Died on a junk hill. Actually went to to hell. Paid the price for you and I so that you on the outside could come to the inside. It's beautiful. But Jesus is talking about himself. He's talking about himself and he's then calling you who follow him to be with him in it. Simple challenge. Who's outside your gate? Who's outside your gate? Jesus, when he died on the cross, the curtain ripped, and now there was access to God. Beautiful truth, and now there's access for people. Who's outside your gate? That's my question. It's rhetorical. I don't know. Let the Holy Spirit tell you who's outside your gate. I was. Uh, I've been looking around as I've been driving around, you know, and uh, um, trying to be attentive, and uh, you know, there's homeless people around and. There was a, a guy over by Walmart. And, uh, you know, I get into that debate. I don't know if I'm like you or not, or if you're like me. But I get into that debate. I wonder if he's just going to take the money and buy alcohol. Or I wonder uh, what is, you know, if this is really going to, I mean, you go through that. And uh, I think every person you encounter, you should pray. Don't set up your policy. The, the thing that would be terrible is to look at this scripture right here and kind of set up how you're going to operate with these people because everything and everybody you encounter is a response to the Holy Spirit. And while well, I see this guy, and, I, and, I, and uh, next to me, I just had been given a gift of a whole bag of elk jerky. Oh, man. And I went, this is my jerky. <laughs> I mean, elk jerky, protein, I just, protein. And so I gave it to him. And I drove off, and uh, um, I looked in my, in, on my seat, and there was my apple for the day. And I feel God tell me that's his apple. Don't drive off with his apple. And I, I, I p- turn around, and I pulled over, and I said, hey, man, I think God wants you to have this apple. And he goes, oh, thank you, man, thank you. And I was expecting him to go, yeah, thanks, you know, and just put it in to kind of do his books and keep tab. I had one guy out here a couple years ago. I grew, I grew a bunch of vegetables in my garden and uh, out here with the community garden. And I took my zucchini and, told, you know, shut your doors when zucchini's out, right? So um, I've got all this zucchini, and I've just given it to the homeless people. And I go up there at a the stoplight when they were out there, and I say, hey, man, I got this zucchini. And he goes, is it organic? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, you got to watch your diet even if you're out there. Like, okay. Yes, it is organic, actually. This, <laughs> this guy I gave my jerky to was not that way at all. He was like, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, you know. And I felt like I was in the middle of something that God wanted me to do, and as I drove off, I, I felt the Lord sort of tell me, don't be fooled. I'm not talking about homeless people in the text. I'm talking about everybody outside your gate, I'm talking about everybody outside your gate. Don't, don't, just, don't just stop at the moral traffic lights. Everybody outside your gate, and it's in degrees. It's in degrees. Even those people who you think are just fine need Lazarus, the help of God. And that's who you are. You're Lazarus, the help of God. Love God, love people. As you take communion, just ask him to open your eyes. That's all. I think everything changes if you just do that. Everything will change if you just do that. Let's pray. Lord, you had these harsh words that you said, and I know that they represent the truth, um, and uh, let's live in light, Lord, of the eternity that uh, we have, I pray for opportunity to express our love for you as a church and individually for each one of us this week in ways that are tangible, in ways that reverse the fortune, that reverse the fortune, Lord. Use us to reverse the descent into pain and suffering Use us to bring heaven on earth here for people, Lord. And we pray that not only is shalom brought to individuals because we do that here in this uh, valley, but shalom is brought to our community as we move about, Lord. And we pray that eternity is different for people because you've brought your help through us. So I thank you for the challenge in this text that you've given And we pray right now, Lord, that uh, there is a shift in the trajectory of people's lives. Experience heaven here and heaven in the future because of what you're doing in us. In Jesus' name, amen.